And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we talked about the trailer. We know that you took it out over the weekend. But the bigger news today, the (laughs) Kansas City Jayhawks are the national champions of basketball. What does that mean to you, John? The Kansas City Jayhawks? What team is that? I'm not familiar with that team. What? what, (laughs) This was a mistake that was made. This was a a mistake that was made last night if you watched the... Uh, championship ceremony they called them the kansas city jayhawks which as you can imagine has ruffled the feathers (laughs) of those noble fans in lawrence so just kidding the kansas jayhawks pretty cool uh another title in the kansas city area to be fair you know there's a lot of college teams around here but over the past few years i mean you know you think about the last five or six years here you have the chiefs making two super bowls winning one you have the Royals making two World Series, winning one, and now another title after the uh, 2008 title for the Jayhawks. So uh, congratulations to them. Nice. So if go to our SB Nation Kansas site for, for more information. I wish I actually knew the title of it. Uh, not being a good company man <laughs> right now. Good way to start the show. Okay. Let's get to uh, some Chief stuff. If you like the show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast network we always encourage you to leave a rating and a review we actually got a few good reviews in this week john all right but i'm going to leave a couple of them so remind me to do this i gotta tell ron for the friday show there's been some draft questions that is more of ron's expertise this is ron's month the boys have been doing a great job on mondays and fridays reviewing the draft so if you left one of these draft reviews i'm going to provide your question to ron on friday and make sure he begins to show answering that uh, this is this one review is more what would be your expertise john so we're going to oh, serve this well, up for you this oh boy was, i love ap podcast show and bk are hilarious and give non-rosy semi-grumpy perspective you don't get anywhere else <laughs> uh which is great uh i also like that ap has some old farts like me who remember the marty days and even the pre-marty days from before the dawn of time speaking of why isn't albert lewis in the hall of fame he was an island before the term existed. Lewis Island, if you will. Uh, QBs just ignored his side of the field. He went entire seasons without giving up a touchdown. He blocked 11 punts. Is it because he went to the Raiders so no one will champion him? If so, that doesn't seem fair. John, do you have any comments on this question? Well, it doesn't help that he didn't play on a team that was very good. Most of the time right. he played for the Chiefs. That's the Chiefs are not very good such an unfair part of the hall of fame it is and, yeah and team hall of fames where you kind of have to win and sometimes mm-hmm. especially in football it's 11 guys on the field sometimes it's not your fault you can be the only good player right right but it is nonetheless part of the equation um the the people who vote uh for hall of fame uh, uh awards say that winning a championship is definitely one of the things that they consider when they when they look at this it was why it was so difficult to Derek, get Derek Thomas in the Hall of Fame for so many years, something that Bob Gretz championed for many, many years uh, and lobbied the, the Hall of Fame voters more than once. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the lack of a championship during Thomas's time in Kansas City that was really the big stumbling block because his on-field achievements certainly were enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. He was a dominant player um by just about any standard in the early 90s uh here for the chiefs so and of course the tragic death you know kind of figures into that as well 
Um, and that's also kind of unfortunate, but it's also yeah. part of, of life is those things enter into those kinds of calculations sometimes. It's weird. Um, it's weird when you talk about it because, and a little morbid, you know, if you mm -hmm, will, when yeah. you have to sort of project out someone's career because of something like that happening. Sure. But good on the NFL for, for doing the right thing, I think, in, in that case. And uh, again, eventually. You, yeah. Right. Eventually. <laughs> if you want to have a question like this answered, uh, leave us a rating and a review. Again, I, I did see those two draft related reviews. We're going to hand them off to Ron for Friday to get those questions answered. Five stars is always welcome. Okay, John, let's get into some Chiefs news. I do want to note we're at that point of the offseason. We're in a lull. It's it's lull city right now where you're too far before the draft for any big draft trades. We did see one with the Eagles and Saints yesterday, which was wild. It involved no uh -huh. players. It just was moving, maneuvering picks over multiple years to not pay certain amounts of money. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I do this for a living. I was a little confused by the pick for pick trade, but I, I can understand it basically was them finagling their salary cap and moving first rounders to different years. Uh, so you'll start to see trades like this. Usually they're going to involve some type of player. It, it's rare to really see a pick for pick deal, especially this far uh, ahead. I mean, sometimes you see it uh, mm -hmm. on NFL draft Thursday and, and Friday and Saturday. Right. Uh, you don't really see it this early, but again, uh, a, a trade among the NFC teams there. It, it's a little bit before the draft. So there, there's, you know, there's the deadlines are just too far right now for any really groundbreaking news. We did get this this morning. I don't have this on the rundown, but I, I found it interesting. And because he's been such a, a big part of the Chiefs' story for the past couple of years, Tyron Matthew is visiting the New Orleans Saints. There's been rumblings that Matthew is just waiting for the contract. He could really wait a long time. Uh, he mm -hmm. eventually is going to play for a team. I, I think we know that. Where it becomes interesting is how long is he willing to wait? New Orleans feels like a fit. He went to college at LSU. He has New Orleans roots. He spent the last week visiting with the team during spring ball in LSU, and now he's visiting the Saints. How odd would it be, John, for Daniel Sorensen and Tyron Matthew to remain <laughs> partners in crime, but for an entirely different team in an entirely different conference? That would be that would be a little unusual, but I I would be I wouldn't be surprised if they don't quite work together the same way as they did in Kansas City. Um, but yes, that is that is an interesting uh, side aspect to the possibility of Matthew playing in New Orleans, and you know his ties there are very strong. His foundation right. is centered on New Orleans. Um, he's there quite a bit, I believe, uh, when he's not playing Chiefs games. Um, so it's not at all surprising that he would want to talk to them. In fact, I, I think you could put this on the list of top 10 things we would expect from the Chiefs offseason, that if Tyron Matthew was a free agent, he'd take a visit with the Saints. <laughs> uh, you just yeah. would almost I mean have to expect that. What what's weird about Matthew is that he was considered one of the top free agents, and I think because of the experience and what he brings to the table, but I don't think he found the deal and the value mm -hmm. he wanted yeah. from the Chiefs or elsewhere. And he has essentially told his agent, "I'm not going to take anything until I feel like I'm getting a fair contract." So it's not only just I think some of the emotional aspect of going down to New Orleans. I think he needs the contract. I think from a Chiefs fan perspective, this is ideal. Because Tyron Matthew is beloved, there have been connections tied to AFC West teams like the Broncos and the Raiders. That would be really tough and a really mm -hmm. hard storyline to swallow and, and continue to root for him. He goes to the Saints, 
when are you playing the Saints? Maybe in the Super Bowl, maybe once every five, six years, just depending on how the schedule uh, ends up shaking out. I remember uh, going into the last Chiefs-Saints game that, that, I don't know, one of the defensive linemen called a bat game, and then the Chiefs beat him. But uh, Matthew was very excited to go down and, and play in the Superdome. And so I, I think this is, you know, if he can't be a Chief, and we basically know that now with the Justin Reed signing, this feels like the most ideal situation as a player who was a huge part of the championship team moves forward. Yeah, speaking of Albert Lewis, bringing up the idea of Tyron Matthew and going to the the Raiders or the Broncos, that's what brought shades of Albert Lewis to mind when he went and played for the Raiders at the tail end of his career because that was not been, easy for Chiefs fans to stomach. There have been a couple of those. Uh, in my tenure covering the Chiefs, it was weird to see Jamal wearing a, a Broncos uniform mm-hmm. and uh, Derek Johnson wearing Raiders uniform, albeit you know these were failed experiments, but it's still... <laughs> Leaves a weird taste in well, your mouth. Lewis I, I, played pretty well for the Raiders. He actually right. played a couple of uh, quality seasons over there. So uh, that was not that was not fun to watch. As same with Neil Smith, um, who put in several good years with the Broncos after leaving Kansas City. That one, that's another one that hurt a lot of fans. I'm telling you right still now, hate John, him for that. We're not going to use any G words on this podcast, so don't even do it. We're not going to go into uh, any. Any comparison of quarterbacks right now? This is okay. 2022. All right. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on here. So <laughs> there's a new ranking that gives the Kansas City Chiefs the toughest schedule in 2022. John, I asked you to dive into this one for AP, so I'll let you take over here. What do you make of this? Well, this is kind of interesting. You know, one of the things that uh, we do when we find out uh, which teams uh, the Chiefs will face every season is we figure out you know, which teams have the hardest and uh, the easiest schedules based on their opponents in the coming season. And of course, that doesn't really give you a true picture because teams are always different the following year. You know, the, some of the teams that were bad the year before end up being good and vice versa. So what someone did here is take the um, the over-under uh, put out by DraftKings Sportsbook uh, to figure out what the schedules difficulty would be mm-hmm. uh, if the teams actually met those marks, you know, if the, if they were uh, the over and under was 10 wins, they get 10 wins in this calculation. Right. And that showed the chiefs having the hardest schedule um, in 2022. Um, it's, you know, it's expected for a team that's contending to have a difficult schedule every year. Uh, because there are three games on the schedule that are against teams that finish the same in their divisions as you did. So you're always going to have that. But what's made it different, at least in the odds this year, is the expectation that the rest of the AFC West is going to be a lot better after the moves that they've made in free agency. And maybe they will be. Maybe they won't be. (laughs) But for the moment, it was an interesting exercise to try and get a better sense of what the schedule will look like in 2022. I'll say this. If you're a fan of, of Denver and, and Vegas and, you know, the few and far between LA fans that there are, it, this would be <laughs> maddening if the chiefs, if the chiefs whip rip off six and oh, yeah. which I mean, they do still have Patrick Mahomes. We're going to talk and it's become a theme of the off season. And really they show that the offense should be revamped and, and look a lot different. And that's going to be tough to defend when you don't really have any, background on it and what the chiefs are going to do other than the games that they're going to play maybe before that but for example 
uh, as we go into a story uh, and we'll, let's just go, go there right now because we're talking about it, but chiefs and Broncos are rumored for Thursday night football of week two. So now you have one week of tape on a brand new offense. That's already a huge advantage of the chiefs. If you're unfamiliar with this. So Thursday night football has moved to Amazon prime video mm-hmm. streaming. So for you, we're always talking, we're always talking about cord cutters for your, for you cord keepers. What that means for you, <laughs> is you got to figure out a way to get this going on your uh, streaming platform or your computer where you connect it to the TV. I do think that this is going to annoy a lot of chiefs oh, fans yeah. that have not cut the cord and are unfamiliar with how to do this because it'll be the only way that you can watch the game anyway. Brand new Thursday night football. It's going to feature Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, which I'm very excited about that combination. Mm-hmm. I've never heard yeah. it before. I think it's going to be very strong. We know Al Michaels is still among the best in the business, if not the best. Kirk is more of a college football guy. I think it'll be a little bit of a transition. But to me, if you've been covering college football to such an extent, you're already familiar with a lot of these guys that are in the NFL because everybody plays college football at least for a few years so i i I, people are worried about that transition i think it's gonna be great anyway so to launch this bad boy amazon would like a a big time game right and peter king comes out in football morning america for nbc sports and he says he's well connected he says look uh i think it's gonna be kansas city and we'll see if it's the chargers the broncos the chargers would be great I've been raving about these Mahomes Herbert matchup matchups mm-hmm. every year. And I said it before last year, we got two great matchups where the chiefs uh, lost one. And then they took a really fun Thursday nighter uh, in LA. And I, I expect that to continue, but what you get in Mahomes and now Wilson with the Broncos is this matchup. We have never seen before in, in a sense of with so much on the line and you can bet Wilson is going to come in there wants to get away from the bad taste. He had in his mouth from Seattle last year and end this 13 game streak. And I just think the buildup of it is going to feel like a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Do, do I like that the chiefs or, you know, if you're a Broncos fan, do you like that? The, they're going to have four days rest going into this thing. No, but maybe it's at Arrowhead stadium. And that, that provides you a little bit of an advantage anyway. So um, what I'd say is this, this should be, interesting and I, I could definitely definitely see they going in that direction as they try to launch this new platform and, and new way of doing thursday nights yeah i i think if you're going to have a short week having it in the second week of the season is not so bad because you right. will have a bye week before the season that you can spend some of your time thinking about that thursday night appointment in the second week um so you know it's never good to go play another game after on four days rest. But in terms of prep time, having it in week two isn't quite as bad as it would be if it just happened at some point in the regular season. And I also want to clarify one point that, that you were making uh, Pete about the chiefs fans who are cord keepers. Uh, many cord keepers also get Amazon prime. I'm one of those people. I get Amazon prime and I'm also a, a cable subscriber. But it's important to note that Chiefs fans who live in the Kansas City area and watch Kansas City television will still be able to watch this game, even if they're not prime subscribers. The league is going to handle this just like they have, uh, for example, Thursday Night Football on NFL Network, which is also a subscriber-only service that's available on some cable systems but not others. 
And in the case when teams played on Thursday night games that were carried on NFL Network exclusively, local stations were allowed to, in those two markets, were allowed to, to, to air those games. And that's what's going to happen with Thursday night football on Amazon as well. So in the case so of will this, those be on so those will be on NBC? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm okay. th- that's unknown. Uh, I think Got it's it. possible that they will be uh, they'll be put up to bids by local stations because there's no huh. obvious affiliation between Amazon and a television network as there is, for example, between ESPN and ABC. So it. it's possible that this might be, you know, it could be in any station. I would put my money on KSHB personally. Uh, right. I think they're going to want to get those games uh, if they have the opportunity to do that. But I, I think I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that aspect of it. So yeah. if, even if you're not su- subscribing to Amazon, what, so what Chiefs fans may miss then is only these national games without or without the Chiefs. So right. let's say it's Correct. a throwaway game. Falcon right. Saints Thursday right. night. You right. want to watch Tyron Matthew, right? If he's on right. the Saints, and now you're out of luck. So the, yeah, the, so Chiefs, the people who are going to be in the trouble are the, the people right. who can't get Amazon, who don't live in market. Those people right. are going to have to figure out another way to get so, the game. But people it, who live it, in Kansas City it. will still be able to watch it. Yeah, and I, you know what? That's that's actually another point and a good one. You know, extending from this point because I think of a lot of our Arrowhead Pride podcast listeners are. Yes. out of the Kansas City area because they like to hear and, and listen about the Chiefs news from from us uh, here on the network. So, yeah, that's something that uh, some out of town cord keepers. So now we're you know, being specific here out of town cord keeper Chiefs fans. <laughs> figure it out because you don't want to miss uh, Chiefs Broncos for week two. Thank you for that clarification. I didn't realize that that was the case. That's a good thing. I mean, at least for the people that live in Kansas City. Yeah, at least for the moment, the NFL is still making it possible for every NFL game to be seen in its local market. Got it. Which, um, and and there could come a time when that is not the case. But right now, uh, for your local team, there's still always a way to watch it on TV on your local station. You know what's interesting about this to me, and this might be my last point because we're we're on an entirely different topic here in a sense because we're (laughs) digging deep, but... Even if you have really good internet, it's hard to avoid buffering for mm-hmm. four straight hours, even in, with great internet, because there's right. just different issues. And th- it feels like that should have been perfected before this begins to happen. Now, I, you know, I have YouTube TV, and and for the most part, I'm I'm okay. But uh, for example, I don't travel every road game. When we're covering road games, I use an antenna because. That way, I I know that we're not going to lose or or buffer or whatever, and it's the most current. Because if you're really watching the Steve streaming services, as we're tweeting and doing different articles, we're about at least 30 seconds behind. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if the technology is perfect yet, and now you're putting games exclusively on a streaming service. It just seems... A little soon, but uh, who am I? Maybe I'm just old fashioned when it comes. Well, to they that, so. they've kind of been doing this for a while with NFL Network. I mean, it's a it's also been a subscriber right. only service that not every cable person gets. I, I mean, when I purchased my cable package, you know, some years ago when we first moved to where we live now, uh, that was part of the equation. Does this service that I can get have NFL Network? Because that mattered to me, and they right. don't all have it. So this is they've kind of been, you know, setting the stage for this for a while with NFL Network. It's all coming back around to 
an all-inclusive cable package because there are so many good shows now on all these individual streaming services. Mm-hmm. And if you're paying for all of them, you're probably paying more than you would for cable, which is how did we get here? How do we go yeah. this, around this entire circle? Anyway, all right, let's get back. We're, we are way, <laughs> we are way digging into something that has nothing to do with the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's get back into Chiefs news. This Chiefs contract with Ronald Jones is better than expected. John, you've been really, I, I think, leading leading the way for our salary cap. We have the roster that is constantly updated. I should say this and probably don't say it enough. We have the Chiefs roster and cap. If you go to our website and go under resources, you can get a, a, the active uh, roster and John does a really nice job of keeping up with the cap. So this Ronald Jones contract is cap friendly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was another deal that didn't look very good to start with. It looked, you know, five, $5 million uh, one year contract. It was really very much like the contract that Kyle Long got last year that had incentives going up to 5 million, but didn't really cost hardly anything uh, in last year's salary cap. And in, in the end, since Long didn't play for the whole season, uh, all they ended up paying him was his uh, guaranteed salary for 2022, and none of the incentives came into the 20, uh, excuse me, for 2021, and none of those incentives from last year turned up on the 2022 cap. Right. That's possible that that could happen with this contract as well. When it first came out, my guess was, that the salary cap for Jones's contract for this season, every time there was a situation like this, I was trying to predict a range of where the cap hit will fall so we can make an estimate of how much cap space there's going to be. My guess was between $1.5 million and $3.5 million, and it ended up coming in at the bottom end of that range. So that's nice. really a good a good deal for the Chiefs. Right, and and – once again, there's a difference between likely to be earned and not likely to be earned. Right. Not likely to be earned, which appears this is, goes to next year. So 3.5 right. million of the 5 million is in incentives. And I tend to think he'll hit them. I, I do feel that yeah. way. The more people that I've talked to about this, the more I'm getting the sense that Ronald Jones it, it might not be here to be the RB2. I think it might be the Chiefs, in a way, waving the white flag a little bit on workhorse CEH. And you started to see it last year. And I think it, it began because of his lack of ability to stay on the field. And the Chiefs really had to pivot in this sense. But it was a pure committee where one one series you would see CEH. Next, you might see Darrell Williams. Toward the end of the year, you saw Jarek McKinnon, who is still a free agent, by the way. We get questions about that. McKinnon is still out there. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on with him. But I think the Chiefs might see Ronald Jones as your first and second down back, and maybe you unleash CEH as a pass catcher as his pass pro has gotten better. We've also seen a couple times, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I guess I could get in for a future episode, but where the Chiefs would just straight up play ceh as a wideout so i think you could see both of them on the field at the same time as well hmm, that's interesting like, yeah i, I you know you're making scrimmage. good points you're making good points about edward zolaire I, I yes towards the end of the season it sure seemed like they were de-emphasizing him but then in the postseason he got a lot of usage and was very productive yeah. so you know it's always hard to tell it's it's the committee thing that andy reed likes and going with the hot hand I mean, it really could go either way, I think. Um, and it'll just kind of depend on how it plays out early in the year, I think. As Ron Kopp alluded to on our draft show on, on Monday, we tend to think there'll be another veteran body at running back or 
who knows, maybe even a younger day three pick mm-hmm. at running back. If if the Chiefs were to draft a running back on day one or day two, we're gonna shut down comments. So don't even <laughs> don't even come to the site to comment on it. We don't we don't we're not gonna have that available for you. So keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah, right here. Um Alex Smith. Um, this is a little bit of an older story. It came right after our last editor show, but he sounded off on Tyree Kill and how the Chiefs are going to suffer without him. Uh, we pulled the clip. It, it want to give proper credit here. It's from the Rich Eisen show. Uh, Rich Eisen asked Smith, of course, former quarterback, 13 to 17 in Kansas City, how will the Chiefs offense look without Tyree Kill? Flat out, like uh, you're not going to replace him. There's literally only one Tyree Kill in the whole NFL. I mean, he is he is that kind of difference maker. You know, I was fortunate enough to play my last two years there in Kansas City with him. And he honestly, when he's on the field, it just the, the defense plays differently. Uh, he opens up so many other players around him because everybody's so fearful. And there's a lot of fast guys in the league that are very, you know, in the end, they're kind of one-dimensional. Uh, Ty- Tyreek is not that. I mean, we, we saw it throughout the playoffs, catch and run catching the deep ball, put him back there, punt, kickoff, return, hand him the ball in the backfield. Like, I mean, he's an incredible weapon, um, incredibly unique, and he's just not going to fill those shoes. And, and so there will be – I do think they won't be as dynamic on offense. This is the trade-off that I think Andy's thinking about, you know, and, and Brett Beach as they're looking at it is, well, you know, for that salary that they were potentially going to get him, you know, and the draft picks that they got in return, can, can they go be better on the defensive side of the ball? You know, like – I think they look back to, you know, a few years ago is, is maybe they're going to be a little more balanced offense and defense. Um, they're going to get draft picks in return. And then I also think this is, this has kind of been Andy's MO his entire coaching career is that rather than let you play out your contract and walk away for nothing, I mean, he's certainly going to try and get value for you while he can. And certainly, I mean, I was even a product of that, right? Like, I mean, how many quarterbacks have we seen him do this with over the years where, he does trade them and gets value back. And then he can go, you know, they do a great job of developing talent. So they got all these picks for Tyreek. I know they were trying to get him re-signed because he is so special. Um, but obviously the numbers just it didn't quite make sense. And they decided to make this move. And, and it's bold. And again, they're not going to replace him on offense. I mean, you're just not going to find anybody. You're not going to find anybody in the draft out there in free agency that, that's going to fill those shoes. So they're going to have to adjust a little bit offensively. But I think the big question is maybe as a team, can they be better from it, right? That cap space, can they go get some other players maybe on the defensive side of the ball with those draft picks? Can they get some role players come in and help them this next year? I think that's what they're – that's the equation they're trying to, uh, you know, make. Right. Um, but it certainly won't be they, – they will not be as explosive as they have been on offense, period, with Tyreek gone. You just can't. You know, those are the, he's just that kind of player. I joked before we got on, John. Why wasn't Alex this honest when he was a player in Kansas City? <laughs> Couldn't even get him to talk about Thanksgiving and turkey. Uh, you know, what his favorite Thanksgiving food was. That one-word answer for us. But here he is now. <laughs> he is working. His affiliation is ESPN, I believe, where he does a Monday nights and uh, a few things for ESPN. But has entered, to an extent, uh, the football journalist field. And here he was speaking with Rich Eisen. And I, I think he made a lot of good points, to be fair, um, where the you know, and we've been kind of saying this, right? Like the Chiefs offense is going to be for sure less explosive, but I don't know if it's as um, if, if it's going to suffer as much when it comes to effectiveness as I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are, are saying right now. Now, it might uh, it, it might 
where maybe they're not scoring around 30 points per game. But maybe there are. Maybe maybe they are. Maybe they're scoring more. Maybe the efficiency, because of you're reinventing yourself, you're turning back the clock, think 2018. Uh, it'll not be these plays where I, I think it's, you know, these two, three, four-minute drives. But maybe there's, you know, six or seven-minute drives, and maybe you score four touchdowns and get a field goal, and then you – what is that? That Quick math tells me that's 31 points, right? It's not like <laughs> – so right. I, I don't know. I, I'm – I understand where Smith is coming from here, but I, I really think it's getting lost among even a former Chiefs quarterback and the national media. Of, this might be a very, very intentional scrapping of one version of the Chiefs offense for another, and it still can be effective to the point of scoring as, as many points. It, it'll look different, in my opinion, but I, I'm very intrigued by it. I, I think it's an interesting storyline heading into 2022. You don't have to have an offense that routinely scores on three play drives where the last one is a 75 yard touchdown pass um, in order to put up 30 points on another team. I mean, we saw this last year. We didn't see that offense very much last year because uh, Patrick Mahomes was facing too much downfield coverage. They were working too hard to keep Hill from running those routes and being effective at them. And Hill ended up being pretty effective um, as a short field receiver, he got a lot of those targets that were up close to the line of scrimmage, certainly many more than he had in previous seasons. So in a sense, I'm not sure that if we lose what Tyreek Hill did for the chiefs, that only Tyreek Hill can do be that vertical threat. That's, that's scary on every play. I'm not sure that it'll be that much different. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see. You're right. It could be it could be completely different. It might be fewer points, but it might not be, too. It might be uh, just a completely different look to the offense that can be just as effective as anything that they've done since Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback. It's going to be very interesting to see how this actually plays out. Right. Uh, I, um, I don't think we have the full offense yet either i right i really think that there's going to be receiver in the draft or maybe another veteran the chiefs have been tied to dk metcalf which i know is exciting a lot of fans i'm excited for that for a dual number of reasons because i think it would take four draft picks off our plate john where we wouldn't have to cover those players (laughs) on draft weekend it's all about us no the DK, dk dk metcalf to me uh again would make the offense look a little different and that's what i'm talking about about the effectiveness i don't think it would even slip and that that's that type of player but it's going to cost a lot to get him. And then you're dealing right. with the contract thing again, because this is a player that needs a new contract. And are you yeah, just, they, they'd have to give him an extension with the trade. They, they just have to do that. Yeah. This is coming in as we're talking. I'm going to have to blog about it after we get off, John. Okay. Uh, Jeff Chadia of NFL network. Uh, I'm going to read the tweet. The talk about the chiefs looking to trade for giants, cornerback, James Bradbury isn't serious. A chief source says the team hasn't been involved with that and don't plan on getting involved. They don't want to take on Bradbury's $13.4 million mm. in salary. And that makes sense, right? The whole theme of this offseason has been not wanting to go and ruin your salary cap and continuing to remain flexible into future years as Mahomes' contract number uh, gets to be a little bit tougher. Um, you know, you can only do these guaranteed things so much and kick the can down the years so much. And uh, that is not going to be something that I, I think Chiefs fans like. But to me, that screams out, well, what's the deal with Stefan Gilmore? Because when you talk about a free agent versus trading for somebody, 
you uh, are, are naming the price yourself. And I continue to look at Gilmore. I don't think he had the year that he wanted to last year, severely limited with the Carolina Panthers. He's a little bit older. Uh, if he can bring his price down, that's the thing. We don't know how much he's demanding. Obviously, it's it's too much for a, a lot of teams to to take on because he doesn't have a team yet. Uh, but if you're not in the mix for Bradbury, I got to think Gilmore would make sense so long as you can strike one of these Juju MVS Ron Jones style <laughs> deals. Right. Like that's that's kind of where we're at with that, I think. Yeah, but he may not be a player that wants to take a deal like that. You know, you've got to have the right situation. Well, it's a former and, defensive player of the year. I think that's yeah. the problem you're running into. Right, right. And in the specific case of of MVS, Valdez uh, uh, Scantling and Ron Jones, um, excuse me, I meant to say Juju Smith-Schuster in those right. two cases, uh, they both had very down years where it was pretty easy to design a contract well, with not Gilmore. likely to be earned was, incentives yeah Gilmore right. was out half the year and then the snaps were limited yeah so you know so he's know. sort of in the same situation i guess but right but um uh, but and maybe that's the reality that he doesn't want to face is that teams are going to want to give him a deal like that and in that in that way maybe the chiefs are the the right match for him and they'll come up with another deal like they gave to these other two players but we'll just have to to wait and see i i i kind of feel like if the Chiefs were going to spend a lot of money on a quarterback, they probably would have been more involved in the defensive end market. And they were right. not involved in the defensive end market really at all, uh, the free agency market. And I and I think that's because those players were all aging and they all ended up demanding long contracts, which I think is crazy for guys who are 29, 30 years old, which most of them were. And I think if the Chiefs were going to be uh, interested in a player like that, uh, they would have done it for a defensive end. And now that they haven't, I just don't see him doing that for, for a cornerback. I just don't. But, you know, again, like you say, uh, the situation might be uh, ideal for the Chiefs in terms of designing a contract where a bunch of it comes off next year. Of course, you have enough of those contracts, then you got a cap problem next year. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I think you just need more bodies in in the room in the defensive back position. And, you know, that's kind of why you have 12 picks. You can, you can draft maybe a couple cornerbacks, maybe a safety in the mm -hmm. draft and still yeah. continue to address other positions. The, the chief's best cornerback on their roster right now. I think you could say is Sneed. Snead. They got him in round four. You can't guarantee that that's going to happen every year, but at least, you know, it's possible. possible. And yeah. I also wonder, and I, this is something I don't think we'll know until maybe we get Brett Feach. And typically that happens a week before the NFL draft. I don't know how much, Hill and his delaying and not committing to the Chiefs as far as an extension cost them some of the early sweepstakes of guys they wanted because the Chiefs have not been shy when it comes to players they consider blue. You know, at the, at the time, they needed to be under the cap, and, and a lot of these defensive ends were coming off the board. Now, we know that Brett Veach does not like to draft or does not like to invest in what are older players. He's made that clear with his very tough decision to say goodbye to Tyron Matthew. And uh, so it, it's one of those unknowns that I don't know if we're going to have clarity here for at least a few weeks or ever. You may, you may see yeah. me do the, we're not going to really go down this road. So we'll, we'll end up seeing when we, when we do get an opportunity to talk to Brett Feach and, and that should happen some point in the next few weeks before the NFL draft. Uh, well, typically. we'll certainly have a clear idea by the time we get to the draft. I think the right. draft will answer a lot of these questions with what they do, whether they trade up or trade down what kind of players they take with the picks they do use. 
right. think that'll tell us a lot about what the plan was. You know, last year we kind of have an idea what the plan was before we got close to the draft. Right. But now you can't really tell. <laughs> no, I know. And I know it's annoying Chiefs fans because I see yeah. it. I see it in the mentions in the comments. And that's our poll of the day today. We'll get into what Chiefs fans are feeling right now. Our poll of the day is great. The Chiefs offseason so far. We'll do that last before we do. And after the break, we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes speaks. We haven't heard from him in a while. We had for a lot of different subjects over the past week in, in different capacities. We'll discuss that next right here on the Eric Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. It's the Tuesday, April 5th edition. We've been going back and forth between Tuesday and Wednesday this offseason. We got draft shows on Monday and Friday. Later tonight, you can get involved yourself with uh, Aaron Ladd and Mark Gunnels on Coast to Coast live on Twitter. I believe that'll be happening at around 7 p.m. And then you could listen to the replay here. We'll post that sometime Wednesday morning. Um, depending on when Steve gets up, you know, I yeah, listened just, to the, just, a little we, of that last week. It was fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I enjoyed they, it. they do a yeah. nice job. And I believe at one point uh, during last year's last week's stream, we had like 180, 200 some odd listeners and you can get involved. Steve does a nice job tweeting it out as they discuss different topics. So again, that'll be happening Tuesday evening replay coming at you on Wednesday morning. Okay. Let's get into Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has not had a, what would be a local press conference in a long time. And so we're left to whenever he decides to do <laughs> these national appearances, which did happen over the past week, he spoke to uh, sports illustrated's Albert Breer. And we got some uh, initial comments about the Tyree kill trade. And he was open in saying he was surprised at first, but I thought this was an interesting point uh, of it. Fred Feach and Andy Reed kept him updated the entire time. And I had heard this, but I had not seen Mahomes ever really discuss it before that. And I'm going to read the quote for you. I've been involved pretty much my entire career as a starter. 
I mean, I remember when we signed Sammy Watkins. I'm not saying who we need to sign and we don't need to sign and all this different type of stuff. But they let me know what they're thinking, why they're thinking it. And I think that's why the relationship that we have in Kansas City is so great with Coach Reed and Beach and everybody. It's they keep everybody informed of where we're going and what the vision is for the future. So this was a really tough thing, I think, to try to explain to Patrick Mahomes why they were getting rid of one of the most dynamic pass catchers of the past decade. Uh, probably will make an all-decade team. If he stayed in Kansas City, he would have been, for me, a surefire Hall of Famer. We'll see what he can do with Tua. You need to continue putting up numbers for the rest of your career. That is neither here nor there at this point. I just think it's interesting that Mahomes is is so involved. And I, I think of situations like Seattle with Russ, like Tom in New England, like Aaron in Green Bay. Especially and the Chiefs one. are being proactive so that mm-hmm. never happens in Kansas City, especially when you're seeing the NFL turn more into a league like the NBA where an NFL's LeBron James can say, nah, you know what? I'm going to be a Laker or Kevin Durant. Is, I'm done with Golden <laughs> State. I want to go to Brooklyn. And you're seeing it in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. And I, I think it's a credit to the Chiefs for like, let's keep him involved at all times. And essentially, and this is just the reality of the NFL. And, and if you're an old traditional type of, of fan, you probably dislike this, but it's just reality at this point. The players essentially are, in a, a quarterbacks, I should say, quarterbacks essentially are execs at this mm-hmm. point. You have to keep them that much in the loop and keep them happy because they can really dictate what happens with them. I, you know, I think we saw Baker Mayfield try to do it. I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to be on the Browns, but behind closed doors, Matt Ryan did that. Matt Ryan said, You guys wanted Deshaun Watson, trade me. I, I don't want to be here anymore. And the Atlanta Falcons did right by him. And now he's an Indianapolis Colts. But the Chiefs are ensuring, okay, this is never going to happen to us. You know, I had that same thought. You, you've already mentioned it, but while you were talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes talking about, um, you know, what was going to happen uh, in the draft and free agency, and they're keeping him informed about it, I, I thought, you know, I wonder if the Packers hear a quote like that and go, gosh, we could have avoided ourselves a lot of trouble over the last couple of years, you know, (laughs) and maybe quite a, a, maybe a less expensive contract now, you know, if, if they had uh, put uh, Aaron Rodgers more in the loop, because it sounds like that's all he was really unhappy about is that he wasn't, you know, they weren't considering what he wanted and how they filled out the, the weapons around him. So you have to wonder if if a team like the Packers hears a quote like that from Mahomes and goes, yeah, what were we thinking? You know, so. Right. But you, you made that point. But that was what I was thinking as you were as you were reading the quote, though. And and now the Packers, they had back, a back to back MVP. They had to pay, if I'm not mistaken, it's somewhere in the range of 140, $150 million. Yeah, a lot of and money. He's an, old, he's an old player. We've seen one player have success into his 40s. And uh, it's been a long time in the NFL. So. We'll see how that goes, but I feel like there's a lot that could have been avoided. They had to trade the best receiver Mm -hmm. in the NFL to the Raiders, which, you know, we know about here in Kansas City. Continuing to talk about Mahomes on this Hill trade, I thought this was an interesting point as well. And this is Mahomes in a way. This is him kind of defending what Alex was alluding to. You know, they weren't talking to each other. Alex, of course, and Rich Eisen, Mahomes, Breer. But listen to this quote. I think that'll be something that will help me a ton this next year because more than having that one guy we had with Tyreek that's so dynamic, 
that can even if he's double covered, make something happen. I'll be able to spread the ball around more this year and let these other guys make plays happen. I think it'll help our offense in a sense where they can just focus on Travis and Tyreek, Travis and Tyreek. You know, defense defenses would come into Kansas City and if they they felt like, OK, we, we shut these two guys down, we're good. Now, I think you're way more balanced and it, it, it provides Andy Reid with a lot more options. I think the only 1,000-yard receiver that you can guarantee is is Travis Kelsey because he's just so good. But you might have two, three players. I'm thinking Hardman, Smith-Schuster, maybe even CEH if you're talking about scrimmage yards. That'll be 800, 900. Who knows if they even get to above 1,000, but I don't don't know if you necessarily need these two 1,300-yard receivers to -hmm. to win, pass catchers to win. And I think Mahomes sees the positivity in that and then he finished by saying he's going to have a lot of these new new pass catchers down to texas to start throwing with them which i know fans always love to hear that they're starting to get that rapport uh so yeah mahomes in a, in a way defending what will be a new look 2022 chiefs offense well you know the whole is always greater than the sum of its parts at least if you're doing it right um and that's what that's what the chiefs are going to try and prove this year that they can get by and have an effective offense with a, a larger number of somewhat less than great receivers than they did with two guys that could be covered and uh, and cripple the offense, um, at least the offense that it used to be. And by the end of the season, they were figuring it out. They were they were figuring out how to 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 get by with the two safety looks and focusing on Hill and Kelsey. But you know, I'd like to point out here that no matter what they did, they never really could shut Travis down. I mean, even when they're double covering the guy, he finds ways to get open. But yeah. that wasn't quite as true as Hill uh, of Hill. And um, so they had to figure out ways to get him involved without running him deep downfield. I, again, I think this is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And uh, it, and I think it's going to say a lot about not only the Chiefs offense and Andy Reid, but also Patrick Mahomes, uh, his mm-hmm. ability to adjust to that and still be an effective NFL quarterback. Well, Kel- Kelsey gets beat up. And I think we saw it more last year. I mean, I, I personally asked him about that. And he said, no, I've been getting beat up for years, but it just felt like he was getting roughed up. And now that you take attention off of Hill, I mean, you're going to need one of these guys to take a, a step. And I think a lot of them have chips on their shoulders. MBS to me and in, in speaking with him, first of all, um, again, his name's Marquez. He wanted to make that very clear, but I think he also felt like he had something more to prove uh, mm-hmm. As far as mm-hmm. being more than just this downfield guy, and uh, Pat was very eager to get him in Kansas City, and I I know that Andy Reid has a plan for everybody. I think he's an intriguing player. I mm-hmm. I don't know what exactly we're going to get from him. Uh, and Smith Schuster's taking the one year deal because he's betting on himself, so there's ultimate motivation there. McCall Hardman keeps getting pissed off that he's not on these Twitter <laughs> graphics, <laughs> you know. So it's a very skill position room pass catcher room that I, I think a lot of guys are like look we don't get enough credit i i love that i mean it, it's it's a lot of betting on themselves and it's challenging patrick mahomes to take kelsey and these guys with these chips on their shoulder and make the most of them for the first time in his career and again i i, I keep saying this there'll be another pass catcher be it the draft or vet or a veteran I, i'm guaranteeing it's a pete sweeney guarantee oh, yeah yeah that'll Either the Chiefs identify in the draft as a day one contributor or they go out and get somebody like a Metcalf who can come out and, and dominate and uh, really play a, a pivotal role in the offense as Terry Kill moves on. 
Let's continue with Mahomes' words, and this was in a conversation with Yahoo Finance, of all things. Mahomes, we know, is a, a mogul at this point as he continues to build NFTs and Airshare, and, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, was asked about overtime with Yahoo Finance, and this was the most interesting quote to me. It will change your game plan on how you do overtime, especially when you're in those playoff situations. Do you take the ball first? Do you try to see what they do first? Do you decide whether to go for a field goal or a touchdown? There's ways you're going to have to scheme and do things. I think it depends on what team you have and how the flow of the game is going. I have said this already. I think more times than not in this new playoff overtime, you're going to have to kick. I think you got to see what you need. It just gives you an ultimate advantage, which will change how you know it goes. I, I, I think you have to do that because say the team goes for two and then you could kick an extra point. I think the advantage lies in getting the ball second, but who knows? I, I think it maybe it even could depend on on who you're playing. If if the Chiefs were to get into, let's say, let's say there was a second seed and they're playing the seventh seed, and they they feel like their defense could stop the offense, maybe they do, you know, take the ball first, go down and score, and then say you know, they're not going to score on us anyway, and and make them and put the pressure on them. I think it'll be really interesting that first overtime. And it might not be in Kansas City. I mean, at this rate, it, it will be because they've had three overtime playoff games in, what, the past four four years or so. But mm-hmm. um, it, that'll be really interesting is, is what that first team does having won the toss in, in overtime. I saw someone uh, suggest the other day, um, I think it was on social media, that uh, teams might actually decide to pick which end of the field they want to defend in overtime. Um, because unlike the beginning of the game, you don't get – you know, if you don't if you don't get a, what you want in the first quarter, you'll get it in the second and the and the fourth. Um, but in overtime, you're just going to get one shot at it, unless the the game is still tied after the first overtime period. So you right. might, especially if the weather conditions are are strong. You know, if you got high winds going, you may want to have that wind going for you rather than against you. And uh, as we would say in the Midwest. And, well, especially uh, at Arrowhead, because those yeah. wins, as the kickers have said before, can be swirling yeah. and really have an impact. We've seen that with and, Harrison Butker. Right. And and he's really good at dealing with it in Arrowhead, but maybe some other kicker isn't. And that could be a factor in this in the situation. I think it is going to be real interesting to watch. And what's going to be especially interesting is that we're not going to get much sample size on it. And uh, you know, whatever team gets the first overtime, whatever two teams get that first overtime, and whichever one gets to decide what's gonna how it's gonna play out, um, you know, then everybody's gonna learn from that, and maybe they'll learn a lesson that's valuable, and maybe they won't. Right. And it may take years before uh, NFL coaches figure out the right way to approach this once they've seen it happen often enough to get a sense of how it's gonna play out. This is gonna be another thing that's gonna be very interesting to watch. Yeah, I I know, and um, and especially that first Super Wild Card weekend, because I I think a lot of fans will be eager for one of these games to go to overtime yeah. and just see how it works and, yeah. and whatnot. All right, last part on Mahomes, uh, he reiterated with Yahoo that he wants to follow the Tom Brady model. Tom Brady came out of retirement and will now play at the age of forty four. Mahomes is twenty six, so that's eighteen more shots at a Super Bowl if he can stay healthy, uh, which I I think a lot of Chiefs fans would be happy about after having. So many years of not having a quarterback in place. Now it, it's hard to do. Uh, we mentioned that earlier in the podcast that one guy has been able to play into his 40s and do it effectively. 
But kudos to Mahomes for wanting to do that. And it means another, what, at least 14 years or so of stability because you, you, you've seen quarterbacks be effective into their late 30s. It's just this 40-year-old this thing that Tom Brady continues to do. That, that seems like a miracle, uh, which I think is great. And then he reiterated that this year will be working on and following on, on pocket presence. And I, I think what they really want to do is is maybe make Mahomes a little bit more like Brady where it's firing from the pocket. I, you know, you've seen if you want quarterback longevity, you're, you're better to stay in the pocket more. I, I don't I don't think he'll ever necessarily lose that part of his game where he's willing to scramble. But I, I think really focusing on getting him comfortable. What's weird about Mahomes, and this is not the case for a lot of different quarterbacks in the league, and maybe I shouldn't say weird, but maybe it's it's unique, is he's better on the run, uh, which really, uh, you know, a lot of times it's the opposite, where you see quarterbacks and they're much more accurate when they fire and they set their feet. And then if there's one aspect where you're nitpicking Mahomes, it's being as effective when he's just in the mm-hmm. pocket, standing yeah. there and – you know, we just got out of the NCAA tournament. Sometimes you can be too open for a three-pointer and it dunks off the, the hoop. He He's really good and really accurate <laughs> on these impossible plays. But sometimes there's a, you know, miscommunication or something or an overthrow or an underthrow from the pocket. And, and I think that's going to be his point of focus once again, sort of bringing us full circle back to where we were last offseason. And again, a lot of bad tape um, from different struggles. Uh, last season for him to uh, approve upon this is the first time he's really faced true adversity and I think he can look back on that work with Matt Nagy work with EB and become a better player heading into 2022 so I just thought it was interesting that he he said he wants to again be be better in the pocket yeah well that's what they've wanted for him ever since he arrived in Kansas City you know I I, as I've mentioned before I think at, at training camp in 2018 I said to somebody in the stands you know this is gonna be very interesting to watch the Chiefs turn Mahomes into a pocket passer, which he probably doesn't want to be, but what he's going to need to be in order to have a long-term career in this league. And uh, I mean, it's fabulous at his age that he can perform that way when he's on the run, but he's going to lose a step somewhere along the line. He's going to lose mobility. He's going to lose, you know, some aspects of his, of his physical performance at some point. And he's going to need, going to need to be able to be effective when he's standing in the pocket, maybe not today, but eventually he will. And the sooner he can learn to do it and still be able to uh, make magic uh, when plays break down, the better. Um, so it's another thing that we'll be watching very carefully. All right. Well, that wraps up Mahomes. We have articles on all of Mahomes quotes right now at AP. You can you could see uh, those different titles. Uh, we have um, Mahomes on the Tyreek Hill trade, the OT rules and just discussing Tom Brady coming out of retirement and how long he would like to play. That's again, available at arrowheadpride.com. Let's go to our poll of the week. And it was grading the chiefs off season. So far, here are the results, John and a 7% of fans think the chiefs deserve an A. 47% believe they deserve a B. Hmm. 39% are C and seven, another 7% think D or F. So majority of Chiefs fans, one and two, you could say if you round up 47%, so let's say 50, believe B is the score. Uh, and I think that's about right. B seems about right. Of course, it's incomplete. Um, we've right. not reached the end of the offseason yet. And so you know, for one and two fans to to be okay with where they are now, but still you know, want to see this complete package. I think a lot of those could turn to A's and a lot of those C's could turn to B's. I think by the end of this, 
you know, you might be closer to a half A and half B. We just haven't seen the whole picture yet. I'm a little surprised. I would have thought that there'd be more negative opinions uh, pushing those grades uh, than than there Squeaky appear wheels, to be. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's what we always we always note is that the people who are unhappy are the ones who are generally the loudest. So uh, <laughs> so once again, I can't blame uh, them either. I, it's been a little disappointing. We thought it might be a little splashier, but it has not been uh, for those fans that have, are very unhappy. But I think this does paint a picture of like, most fans are OK right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not great. You know, only seven percent yeah. a but for 47 percent to come in at B, I think says all right, we're going to trust this step as you should four times being in the final four. Right. I, I try to remind fans that it's, it's very, very difficult. Well, in last year's draft too, which was, uh, yeah. you know, I, I get why people were unhappy about Veach's first draft and maybe his second and third drafts, but last year he was fantastic. And I think he's, he's shown the ability to learn from what he does in the draft and, you know, get valuable lessons from it and apply those in succeeding seasons. And if that's the case, then what we should expect from Brett Veach is, is a good draft. Maybe not a fantastic one. You can't do, a, you know, you can't hit it out of the park on every at bat, mm-hmm. but um, uh, to use a baseball analogy there, but, uh, but, but we certainly saw last year that he's capable of making really good draft decisions. And if he does that again this season, um, then I think we'll we'll start to expect that from him. It's more pressure on Brett Veach, which is fine. It's not my problem. Well, this was welcomed. This was welcomed. You trade away a generational receiver, and you get five picks back. Mm-hmm. You're, you're calling your shot, and we'll see what they do with those picks, be it trading them or be it uh, using them to fill out this roster with some rookie deals. Uh, under-talked about, too, is you know the fact that they have – uh, you know, the these positions along the interior locked up on rookie deals. It's always the quarterback, but to have your center and right guard to play the level uh, that they have and to be on rookie deals is, is such an advantage yeah. as well. And that's a kudos to the front office. And we'll see if they can do it again, as they did last year in the 2021 NFL draft. All right, John. Well, that wraps up our show for today. Keep it locked in on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. Keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com as we continue to update you on the off season of course we encourage you to rate and review us and ask your questions i'm not forgetting about those reviews we're going to tell ron to get into some of those draft details on friday so look out for that when they drop that show get involved with coast to coast tonight uh, 7 p.m on twitter if you have a twitter account you can talk to aaron and mark and hear them speak live we'll put the replay of that up on wednesday but for steve serta behind our proverbial glass and john dixon my name is pete sweeney thank you for joining us once again on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show.